0: And now, for your listening
1: pleasure, here's Politzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old market. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 288 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, September 9th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who definitely cried when he saw Steve from Blue's Clues return, Mr. Joe Pulizzi. (laughs) Is this a thing? Oh, what do you mean? Is this a thing? That I mean,
0: you didn't miss, I did it, did miss you? it. I did miss it. I know. I I had you no did? idea. I, I, but I oh, mean, obviously, Steve came
1: back. I've watched Steve Blues came Clues. back. I grew up watching. He, what he, that, is it? A new version of it? A new season? Oh, I can't believe that you've missed it. I can't believe that you've. I, I can't believe one that you missed it, and two that you watched Blues Clues and missed
0: it. I, well, I grew it was up my, all over the my internet kids yesterday. Used to watch it. This is uh, fifteen <clears> years ago. <throat> So what happened?
1: Yeah, well, it was longer than that, actually. Interestingly <laughs> enough, it was like more like 20 years ago. But um, <clears throat> if you can believe that, yeah. No, he came back. He basically, I don't know if you remember the finale episode of no, Blue's I Clues. No, I do not. I, don't, I can't even believe that I remember the finale episode of Blue's Clues, uh, given my age. Um, but I've always been a huge fan of kids' shows and cartoons and all that kind of stuff, as you know, because I can identify with That's your right, kids. You do. <laughs> you are a
0: connoisseur yeah. of children's programming, yes, which I am. Just gotta I say am.
1: That. I am absolutely a connoisseur yes. of children's programming, is exactly right. Um And so, uh, yeah, the finale was he went off to college basically. Um, and you know, of course the backstory is that he had a very complex relationship with the show because as he was getting older, um, he was losing his hair and he never wanted to be bald and, um, and do the show. And so he left the show basically. And so in the storyline of the show, he, he went off to college. Um, and he came back yesterday, um, did this little YouTube video or, you know, video where he basically explained his absence um, for, for how long he's been. And he talked about having student loans and growing up. And, you know, the, it's just it's delightful. It's it's what the and, world needs. It's a little Ted Lasso. And they're basically. going it's, and they're they're going to move forward with this. As a thing. I, you don't know. No, you, you don't. don't know. He he you don't know. I mean I mean, I don't think they're moving forward with anything, at least I haven't heard of anything, but it was basically him coming back to say, you know, you know, to close the loop, right? To to basically, you know, put the finale cord on things to say, you know, I love you and you know, it's been so great to have your support and it was, you know, it was wonderful and you know, here's where I've been and, and you know, it was just it was delightful. I'm so glad that you were able to yeah. communicate that to
0: everyone listening to this because I
1: d- look, if you don't, if it, the world right now can use as much love and wholesome things yes. as it possibly can get. And anytime I can bring that and bubble it up and make, make, you know, and yell about it. I'm
0: no, I, I agree. Cause... And that's why one of the reasons why I love Ted Lasso, because <laughs> yeah. it's just a feel good show and it's real and yeah, you know the whole whatever kind kindness. Although,
1: as we predicted, it's it's uh, it turned a little. It turned a little. Let's say it's turned a well in the last couple of episodes. I think that it's when I said real, they're
0: dealing with yeah, issues right. that regular people, good people, <clears throat> deal with. So whether that's it's right. mental illness or whatever the case is. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I always we always try to watch it early Friday morning in the U.S. Because, that, of course, that's when it drops. I wish I could just binge the whole thing because I'm tired of waiting. Uh, but the other show you know, that I've been I watching mean, every yeah. Wednesday, have you been watching What If on um, Disney
1: Channel? I just started uh, two nights ago. I started to – I watched um, – now, you don't have to watch them. As I understand it, you don't have to watch them nope, in order. No, it has order. nothing
0: to do with – they have nothing to do with right. – So, everyone okay. listening, if you're not familiar, so Disney uh, launched a new series called What If, and it's a Marvel series, and it basically is an animated show from the the voices of the real actors
1: yeah, who played all right.
0: the parts of the Avengers and whatnot. And it, they go through different scenarios of what if this happened and what if that happened and the – you know. The, I won't give anything away, but the one that was just launched yesterday was what if the zombie apocalypse happened during Avengers time? <laughs> so it's just... Right. You're yeah. like, what?
1: They're a little bit dark? Some... not like Really? I, I didn't find them... To, I mean, I found them almost too good. Nah, you, the one I watched, I watched the one about... Um, uh, well, I'm not giving anything away. A serial killer, basically... Uh, Base, takes out all the Avengers basically before they can form the team, a serial yes, killer takes yes. out all of the, That's, you know, and then you find out who the serial killer is and how the Avengers will ultimately reform. And it's, it's, it's a, I thought it was great. I, it, a little glib, I thought, you know, I mean, it's almost a little, you know, cause the Marvel personality has that sort of, you know, you know, wink and a smile and a, uh, you know, sort of, funny sarcastic tone you know they sort of take on the sort of robert downey jr mm-hmm. personality where you know you know that kind of thing and, and and it was almost a little too much of that i thought but i don't you know, know you but,
0: you watch the the last two are okay. really dark in my opinion and no okay. no By, by the, right. the way, they still have they, there's still senses of humor in there of course it's a marvel show so right. you have some of the jokes right. and whatnot but wow it really hits at some issues where you're like Whoa, this is, I didn't see this coming. And it's not necessarily a feel good show. And it, they don't end with any kind of satisfaction <laughs> at all. It's just like, oh.
1: Well, some of them yeah. don't. Yeah. Some of
0: them definitely it's don't. Yeah. Like, Whoa. So, yeah. yeah. So, but, but my, my oldest uh, is into that show. And since he's away at college, I, you know, it gives me a chance to watch that. And then I can text him something. So that's what, that's yeah. what we do. Yeah.
1: They are literally a comic book you know and they're not long 30, either which yeah, is 30 minutes nice. yeah.
0: kind of yeah. thing but yeah so that that's
1: yeah it's a it's like it's it's literally like re- reading a, a comic book you know at just a one issue of a of a comic book and and i think they actually did a comic book series called what oh okay well that would make sense if they're yeah. just going to go go yeah. through the whole thing but well i don't know that they're the same but but i don't know if they're doing it one for one kind of thing but but i be, but i believe there was a series of of what if you know There's there's and there's all kinds of them. Right. You know, what if, uh, you know, Wolverine, you know, joined up with such and such, you know, it's like it basically uses the entire universe to to sort of bring it, you know, bring all these like weird scenarios together. And I love how they introduce. I'm not going to spoil it anymore. You just got to go see it. It's
0: it's 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 interesting. It's interesting
1: enough. If you're a comic book fan, you'll love it. But, yeah.
0: but I think the news of the week that we need to talk about before we get to the real news is the fact that after yeah. how many years of existence, you finally joined a fantasy football league. That's I, you I rocked my world with that information. <laughs> could not, I still cannot wow. believe it.
1: Yeah, I did. I, you know, it, well, it before, Pre-show, last week, you were telling me about your draft and what you were going to do, and you were asking for some, not advice, but you were saying, you know, hey, what do you think about this, and what do you think about that? And we were talking football before we started recording, and yes, folks, we actually really do talk football before. Isn't that crazy? We yeah, we talk football, <laughs> football. yeah. Football <laughs> you know. before, after, yeah. yeah, during? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I got inspired. I was like, hey, I don't want to, you know, I kind of want to do that, too. So, this weekend... You know, of course, you know, I mean, my Facebook feed, as you might expect, my Facebook feed, Twitter feed, I mean, everything where I've been retargeted a million times is like, are you, Robert, you sure you don't want to play fantasy football? Fantasy football, fantasy football, fantasy, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, with as much football stuff as I read, I'm being retargeted a gajillion different ways. So I finally said, I think it's going to be, I should try this. I should, you know, look, I used to do it a, a million years ago. I did fantasy football. Um, it has changed a lot and it's gotten certainly way more easy with the digital oh, yeah, and websites and the it apps with the and everything in addition and math oh my god
0: they figured yeah. it all out so
1: yeah. i yep yeah, so i joined up I, I joined up and so yeah i'm i'm excited for the season and it's uh, by the way folks it's opening day tonight there we go. As we as we record this, I'm still feeling very positive about the season as you listen to this. Yeah, on so, Friday, okay. so this is you, I may not be feeling is your good team, about the,
0: the Dallas season. Cowboys at Tampa Bay, yeah. the defending
1: Super Bowl champs. That's right.
0: And Mr. Tom Brady, the, the maybe
1: That's the greatest right. quarterback to ever live. Not maybe. Not maybe. Um, would not you, may- do you have, a, he do is you have a prediction? For your game, uh, yes, I am predicting actually an upset. I am actually predicting That's an so upset. So surprising, um, the, uh, yeah. you would
0: say that. <laughs> No, because this is what's funny. You and I were talking. Yeah. You were giving me your recommendations when I was picking my fantasy team. And what was the greatest thing yeah. was we were talking about quarterbacks. Said, oh, you can't go wrong with Dak Prescott. Gonna have a big comeback year. And I'm like, well, what about what about running backs? Oh, no, no, no. Zeke's gonna have a big year. And then you gotta have Tony Pollard as your backup because just in case. And then you go wide receivers like, oh, Gallup, you got you're going through the whole thing. I'm like all your recommendations were cowboys,
1: which is (laughs) okay. So, so here's, so here's a funny thing. So uh, my wife and so the way our house is laid out, I have a tiny little office where I'm sitting right now and my wife's tiny little office is just adjacent to mine. So we're almost like in little cubes almost, um, the way we've designed it. And so, uh, Basically, the draft comes and, you know, I mean, you've been through it, right? You have to sit in front of your computer for two and a half hours, right? As, you know, you got your slow pokes who take forever to draft their person and blah, 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 blah. And so the little voice will say it actually verbally, like when you pick, you know, it will say Zeke Elliott, you know, know, as you've made the pick. And so it comes and it says, you are on the clock. And so and then I picked right away, right? I picked Zeke right away for my running back, which is of course a first round pick. I think anybody would forgive me for that pick. Definitely first um,
0: round. What what were you what were you picking? What position? What fourth? Fourth. Zeke fourth, at four. Fourth. Totally was,
1: reasonable. Nobody would fall you for that. I think yes. so. Thanks that. Yeah. Thank you. And so it goes, Zeke Elliott. And my wife from the other room goes, Don't just pick Cowboys. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm not going to. And she's like, uh huh, sure. You, you have what, three <laughs> so,
0: cowboys on your team or something?
1: I do, yeah. I do. All of them justifiable in my opinion, um, because they were not they were they they went low. I I did not pick a cowboy again until the sixth or seventh okay, round. That's
0: fair. Now I so. I usually don't pick cowboys. I used to like. Uh, what was your old t- your tight end that was great for so many years? Oh, Jason, Jason Witten. Witten! Always loved Jason Witten because yeah. you know, he gets you with, especially with Romo. You know he gets you. He gets yeah. you six, seven catches a game. But I, right. I loaded up with running backs and receivers this year, and then it was like sixth or seventh round. I didn't have a quarterback, so of course, Dak Prescott available later around. Nobody wanted him. I picked him up. Thought of you. Got got yeah. Dak. Hopefully, Good for
1: you. Good for and you. And if he, he was available. He was available to me in the fifth round. And I didn't pick him. I didn't. I didn't pick him. I actually went with Josh Allen. Oh, that's that's. This a is top, getting a little. This a top is getting three. a little geeky now. This is not a fantasy it's podcast, a folks. Pick. So yeah. we promise we'll get to the news. Yeah, Josh Allen is a top three
0: quarterback <laughs> because he runs yeah. and throws touchdowns. That's right. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure everyone's bored. You think that you think people <laughs> listen and say, "Okay, how far do I have to go into the twelve-minute mark or something?" I think for- they've
1: learned. Yeah, I think they've learned. of the ten to twelve-minute mark is by by the time we get uh, oh, done whatever. with the chit chat, and they go, "Okay, yeah. there we go, forward, 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 and listen."
0: But I know we had well, we had Labor <laughs> Day uh, weekend, so did we have much news? It was a little slow, you know
1: maybe? it. I it's been a little slow, I have to say, in terms of the big news, and I think that's just a function of it being late August and early September here. And and um, you know, weirdly, it felt a little weird not to be in Cleveland the first that's week right. of September. Yeah. You know, off for of Labor. I mean, it's you know one of the few Labor Days that I've actually had like you know like a weekend. Um,
0: I did. I know we were, and we, also you know, my wife yeah. and I
1: were hanging out on on Labor. Day. We actually went to see
0: uh, see our oldest at. Uh, and uh, went to lunch at uh, Mercyhurst University, and we we're walking around like I'm always I'm always walking the floor at content marketing world for the last nine years. But no, not yeah not this year. Later this year, later September. So
1: <laughs> you did that like George Bush. Later this later. year, la- gonna, Gun, do it, yeah, gonna, gonna do it. G- g- gotta do it. Gotta do it. Gonna
0: yeah. And I have to actually, <laughs> I have to start working on my presentation. I know you
1: have. Yeah, I, I do. Well, I don't, actually. I'm doing my keynote this year is going to be basically hi (laughs) and welcome back, right? I mean, you know, I'm not going to do like a big old... You know, nobody needs to see me, you know, sort of do like thought leadership stuff. I mean, you've had enough of me on that. I'm just going to welcome everybody and I'm going to speak a little bit to the most recent research and just, and just, you know, hopefully welcome everybody back in a fun, inspirational way. I have a little costume. Well, so you, yeah.
0: You're doing thing. the role that you're filling the role admirably. maybe even better than the way I did it. So, cause you have to sort of open the event now. So I'm,
1: yeah it's been fun it's a, it's always it's always a hoot now you're good at that. it you do you exactly. do good job. as you know as you know you do a very good as job you know.
0: and yeah that spot unfortunately you are just there to get the crowd sort of into it and and yeah, leave them with exactly. a couple nuggets Teed everything and then you're
1: done you're yep.
0: like that's right i'm ready to go you go and then you, you know you get your tequila and you're done so
1: that's right and then and i'm well i'm not done i got i got other things i gotta do But 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 yes but uh, done, done uh, yeah. is, is is sort Absolutely. of the thing. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to our news because there actually was some news and some interesting things for us to talk about on this episode. And um, much of it actually, you know, I think you're going to sense a theme as we work through our discussion here because it's a really interesting thing that we've talked about a little bit before uh, in terms of the way things are starting to stratify a bit in terms of the creator's... Content marketers uh, and the way that we're getting attention to the things that we create on the big wide web. Um, and the first story that we're going to cover here comes to us courtesy of Spark Toro. That's Rand Fishkin's new company. If you don't know Rand, Rand of course was uh, Moz for for a long time, and and which became SEO Moz, and
0: uh, or was, that or Moz? No, it was and SEO Moz SEO Moz, yeah, yeah.
1: and then became Moz, right? And then uh, left that and started Spark Toro. And he wrote a blog post uh, that looks like it kind of started a little bit as a Twitter thread and then inspired Rand to write this uh, blog post, and it was a fun tee up to a conversation that Joe and I can have here. And the headline is, The Incentives to Publish No Longer Reward the Web's Creators. And Rand starts out by saying, It's been almost two months since my last post here. For those of you who pay attention to the digital marketing world, the infrequency of updates may be missed, but it's likely familiar. Many, many web creators, those who publish in any format on their own sites rather than big text platforms, who historically published content with great frequency are doing less of it. Uh, I think it's no... coincidence, says Rand, that as the major social discovery and amplification platforms have reduced the value of externally published content, the quantity of published material from historically active creators has declined. Uh, Let's break down what has happened over the last five years. And then Rand basically goes on to bullet point out that Google has dramatically reduced the visibility of organic uh, links. Um, Basically, uh, major social players like TikTok have prohibited external links. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, indirectly by by reducing the visibility of posts that have a link, uh, or even the words link in bio Mm -hmm. or similar. Uh, Additional uh, users or cultures skeptical of external links, Reddit, Discord, YouTube, Pinterest, Quora. Uh, And basically those like Instagram, Discord, WhatsApp, Google Discover, and others have killed or never allowed referral tracking so creators can actually see where their traffic comes from. Meanwhile, he says, no major new platform has risen to benefit creators who publish on their own sites. Google Discover is the possible exception, but it hides referral traffic, supposedly reporting on it only in Search Console. It's intentionally hard to determine or trust. And basically, he then goes on to, you know, really sort of uh, rant a bit about how in 2016 it was easier, 2018 it would be arguably easier, and goes on to basically make the point that, you know, it's tough and it's not going to get any His better business. Um, Tough to do. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. In a word, in a word, the content business is tough. What did you think about this? Yeah. Uh, Do you have a take on this or do you want me to go into my? Go into yours, and then I definitely have a because I know you have I, you a. a know, particular know, there's take so many
0: places we could go with this. First of all, I yeah, you'll you won't find a better name in an SEO uh, than than Rand. And he, by the way, he's a great individual. You you and I've had yes. dinner with him multiple a times. A lovely gentleman, a lovely man. Yep. Um, there there's a couple things in this piece though that I don't think are correct from my standpoint. First of all, he says. That it's harder today to build an audience because of these factors. Now, you and I have talked about the whole rented land that he goes through. The, the article's worth going through because, yes, there are there rented land issues? Has Google changed the rules? Have all these platforms changed their rules? Yes, absolutely. They want people to stay on their platforms and they will continue to do things to keep people on those platforms and not move off. But is it harder today to build an audience than it was than when I got started in blogging in 2007? No way. It is a thousand times easier to build an audience today. Now, you might not think that that's true, but it is because back then, really, all you had was you had whatever you were blogging on. You had your website, and you had these up-and-comers called Twitter and Facebook that were coming around, and we were all just trying to figure stuff out. But if you look at the number of content creators today, people that are trying to build businesses, people that are building audiences, you've never seen a boom in what I would call a content entrepreneurship than you're seeing today because of this democratization of content, the fact that you can reach audiences. I mean, take it all the way back. I mean, I I started in the late 90s, 2000 in publishing. You know how hard it was to get somebody to sign up for a magazine back then? You actually had to call them. You had to call them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, You right. had to call them on yeah, the phone. You had to call individuals. Individuals right, yeah. on the phone that generally cost, you know, the cost to acquire an audience member back then in the business-to-business area was anywhere from $3 to $6 a person. Very costly. Multiply that per year times the amount of subscribers you have, and you're spending a lot of money on audience acquisition. Now, you still spend a lot of money today, but it is much different, and you can reach people in many, many different ways. So... I mean his advice. His advice about at the end talking about you know you could be on the platforms. I mean we've talked about the fact that if you're going to go build your pl- your audience on an, a rented platform, you have to have a strategy to move them off to something that you have more control over, like email. And Rand talks about the incessantly about the value of email, and we've talked about it on this show like crazy. That you should have some kind of an email strategy because they won't. They you that email address that opt-in email address you have the permission to communicate with that and there's no platform that can take that away from you. So I, I just think that um, maybe a little bit short-sighted. And the the second thing I want to get your take on this, but here's the thing that I really really disagreed with. This is the second last paragraph of what Rand uh, communicates, and he says this. Here's what I should probably do, Rand saying this. Ignore the platforms. Write regularly. Don't stress about making everything I publish 10 out of 10. Aim for 6 out of 10. Be okay with some 4s or 5s. Let email, word of mouth, PR, press, and the small bits of social media amplification the network still allow do their work. I agree with everything in that except aim for 6 out of 10 or be okay with some 4s or 5s. That's where most content creators go wrong. Because if yep. you publish something that is a four or a five you may to an audience person that you're trying to build trust, you may never win them back again. That is a failed strategy. I think that you should set the processes in place and the vision and the mission of everything you're doing to solve the pain points of that audience. You should shoot for a 10 with the resources you have. And you've said this all the time, and I love this tweet. I tweet it all the time, and people always think it's me. and. I'm fine with it because it's a great quote that you always <laughs> had is, you create the minimum amount of content with the maximum amount of results. That's so right. when you create content, it needs to be amazing. And so that's a that's couple of right. things. I don't know if you have the same feelings about this article that oh, Rand wrote, but those well, are my two misgivings with what Rand
1: put out. So I'll I'll, I'll add a little bit because you've, you've framed it up perfectly, I think. Um, the The two, I guess you know sort of you know yes and type of comments here would be one 100% agree on the aim for 6 out of 10 and be okay with fours and fives and let me give you this has been something i've been talking a lot about lately with clients and with uh you know with in my workshops which is one of the things that you're starting to see now so the idea of even binge watching and you actually talked about this just when we were when we were gabbing about the 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 what if right um show which is the thing is if you if you release the way that we think of content now e- even for entertainment networks you know so whether it's marvel or apple tv or netflix etc they they used to drop everything right you drop everything and you can binge watch it and it changed the way arguably 6 7 years ago, 5 years ago maybe, it changed the way that we consumed that kind of content. Which was basically the idea was, hey, you, you can give it one episode or two episodes to figure it out, like to, you know, it, it basically what writers and I can point to examples of this where writers purposely wrote long longer and slower developing character arcs and filler episodes In order to get to an eight hour thing, knowing that you were going to binge watch it, knowing that you'd be okay with a eh, average episode three or an average episode two, because you're getting to that. You've got the ability to go to that episode four. what they discovered over the last couple of years is that people would tune tune out. They would they would go binge watch the thing and then they would quit their subscription. So they changed it. So they started going to the episodic thing where it's dropping every week. But the other side of that coin is you can't afford to have an average episode number one anymore because, I, and I, I just did this with the show Clickbait, right? I watched the ep- initial episode. It was highly average. I mean, like it was really awful, actually. And everybody told me the same thing. They said, nah, you got to give it a couple of episodes before it gets good. No, I don't. I do not need to give it a couple of episodes. I'm moving on. There is too much other competition out there for me to, you know, to give it another to give it another shot. It didn't get me. The same thing is happening in business content as well. We are basically in a place now where the competition is so thick, if you don't deliver excellence every time and maybe less frequently, then you're running the risk of somebody getting that piece of content and going, meh, it didn't do anything for me. I never need to pay attention again because there's just too much competition out there. And so, you know, can you do a nine out of 10? Can you do an eight out of 10? Maybe, right? But, but I think you're exactly right. You've got to basically be, you know, creating the the, the kind of content that creates the most action, the most impact to to and do so less frequently Strive if you have for to. Yes. But it's no yeah, it's no longer good enough to just throw something up on your cell phone and call that great, right? It's no longer good enough to bang out 400 words and put it up. That's when you start getting not listened to anymore. And that's what he's really complaining about is that there's so many people creating average content that the competition is so thick that nothing sticks out. Nothing that, and that's the opportunity. And when what you talk about with this idea of the opportunity being so ripe right now is exactly that, which is great content is standing out and great content is actually creating opportunities for those that would never have had it. And that again, and then that comes back to the should it be on rented land, or should it be on your own platform, and how do you actually do that? Of course that's changed. As you as you said, you know, with a cigarette hanging out of your mouth, the content biz is tough, kid. You know, get used to it. And that's my other comment here, which is, like, you're just now realizing this, right? I mean, you're this, I mean, you know, I know not a lot of people listen to the show, but but we've been talking about this for a long time. Well, this post and yeah, so this, this post
0: could have been written in two thousand fourteen, two thousand
1: fifteen. Because we talk right. about that's it, that's my content point. Inc, That's my I point. talked
0: about it in killing marketing, came out in two thousand seven. We've too.
1: talked about the LinkedIn link thing. Yeah, we've talked about the algorithm. We've talked about Facebook burying organic reach. We've talked about Twitter burying organic reach. We've talked about the stupidity of LinkedIn bio. We've talked about the you know, all of that. Guess what? They're not in the Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. They're not working on your behalf. They're working on their behalf. You are the product. And you if you can leverage product. that to you build your own product. audience, then great. Your own community. Fantastic. Sure. Go do it. Steal that audience. Go do it. Anyway, I guess that sounded a little like a rant. But, but it, you know, um, uh, anyway, it's a really interesting article. Rand is a great guy. You know, disagree slightly with some of his conclusions. But certainly the implication of what he's talking about of you know the the major platforms being in it for their own good and try and 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 becoming a bit of a stifler of initial creativity is you know is is a good one because we are encouraged at you know on social media channels to produce more and more and more average content i mean that is that is the whole point of it is that you know i, I told this story before um the i think it's such a great metaphor for the 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 social media channels like Facebook and LinkedIn i when i went and, and i was working in the record business and i was uh, i was you know working for someone who's relatively famous uh, in the in the space and i went to the record company that he was a part of and the owner of that record company had an entire floor filled with musicians or music equipment and computers and all this kind of stuff. And there were kids, there was all these kids basically in there. And I said, what's going on down there? And he said, Oh, I just opened this up to anybody who wants to come in and create. He said, I just open it up. And he said, the only, and the only thing is, is that everything they create is mine. And, and basically, so one of them's going to hit. So he's basically just turned on a fire hose of creativity. And if anything hit, You know, he was basically putting his, you know, you know, it's like ammo in a, in in a, in a warehouse is, you know, not valuable unless it's used. Well, the music equipment isn't valuable unless it's used. And so he was putting all this stuff to use and he was just hoping for one viral hit. And if he got one viral hit, he would, he would own it. He would get the money from it and boom. And it's just, that is social media in a nutshell there. You are the product. And you, and unless you understand how to leverage what you're creating to build an audience that you can monetize, you're never going to, you know, it doesn't matter how big your audience is. Um, I think the other, it's a good point. I think the other thing that
0: I keep getting and I keep tweeting about this like crazy is I think the model is also changing for the fact that your audience might not be the right word anymore. It might be community because when you're when the 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 community members that you have they can be part of this they want to be part of this with you they can help build the community with you and the web 3 model from the web 2 to web 3 is the community members can be compensated as well they can they can be part of the financial success of what you built that's what web 3 means to me so if i look at I don't want to be so obtuse about this, but if, but if you look at Web2, so the Content Marketing Institute was created during Web2. We, we were the ones, me and a couple other people, we all financially were financially rewarded and all the audience members, they got what they got and that's it, right? I think Web3 means something more and that's what we're on the dawn of. And we have to stop thinking about just, oh, we're the sole creator when I think there might be a better approach, the cooperative approach that's going on with a lot of these communities right now, I think might be a better approach because um, audience members are also content creators today. And maybe that's the biggest difference that we're not taking, that Rand is not taking into consideration where, oh, it was always the content creator all by themselves. Well, it's not that way anymore. You have, your audience members are all creating content they're all sharing and that's the why things can happen quicker. So we started I started my blog content marketing revolution in April of 2007. I could probably make the case that we really really weren't making it until 22 to 24 months later. Today that can happen much quicker because your audience members can also help you create content and they can also share that content to reach more people that you you can't reach and to build a stronger community quicker at that. I guess that's what I, this article doesn't have this. We're not talking about that, but I think that's where I would trade it off where, yeah, they're talking about, Oh, there was a, there wasn't this, there was a void of quality content or whatever that they're talking about in this article. But I'm like, it's changed so much technology and the democratization of content has changed so much today that I don't think we're seeing yeah. that we have such a gift of being able to reach all these people it, it, and work together with a group of people. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It's, it's both, it's both, right? I mean, it's, it's just different. It's, you know what I mean? It's just new and it's different. And, you know, th- you know, I mean, look at it for what it is what now we're starting look at the opportunity for what it right, is. Now. What we're yeah. starting, what, right. What we're starting to see, I can remember back in 2012, 2013, you know, 10 years ago ish and people going, ah, you know, we're not in web one anymore. You know, this isn't about building a website. This isn't about, you know, doing an email. This isn't about, you know, you've got to, you know, you've got to get onto Omnichannel, you know, you've got to get everywhere. You've got to go where your audience is. You know, you've got to, and all these fundamental changes that really took us out of the, you know, when, when we started in the web in, 98, 97, um, even as late as 2000, I would say, it was still basically 500 channels and nothing on, right? I mean, the old Bruce Springsteen song. And it was basically, the idea was, how do we look at television as a metaphor for what we're looking at on the web? So you built your website, you built your your channel, your, you know, your channel on the internet was going to be how you, how you basically created your audience and what you were trying to do and sell and all those kinds of things. And of course, social media and the democratization of content changed all of that in the, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012 timeframe. And everything changed and shifted. We're doing that again. And what we're seeing is a bit of the remorse of the, you know, the remorse that, People like you and I had in 2011, 2012, going, oh, the good old days. Remember the good old days of the website? And you know, you had built this thing, and you know, remember, you know, Blogger, you know, remember GeoCities, you know, remember, you know, MySpace, you know, remember all, you know, all those things. And and now we're saying, oh, remember when it used to the old days in 2016 when it used to be, you know, you could get a LinkedIn going and you could actually build an audience on Twitter. And uh, yes, it's different, it's changed, it's new, and you have to evolve with it you have to evolve with it and that's the that's where we are right now and the opportunities are huge and you know and I think it's going to be really interesting to see this web 3 thing start to emerge in terms of how communities can start to come together to build you know which we've predicted for a long time um, so you know it, you know this idea of you know we've talked about it on the show the idea of these companies that are now starting to, pull in and aggregate media companies to become themselves big media companies that, you know, red, uh, red ventures sure. that we talked about yeah. a couple of shows ago and those kinds of things that's happening at the upper levels, the bigger, you know, the sort of stratospheric levels, it's going to start to happen at the lower levels too, where you've got creator networks that start to build in the ability to say, Hey, listen, your audience and my audience are the same. Let's work together co- cooperatively build our own coin, build our own economy, build our own thing, and start to, you know, and start to join together to leverage visibility and reach. And that will start to happen for sure. It's already starting to happen. Um, but it, I think it'll become much more pronounced here. And, and it's the thing that the big tech, the social media companies and the Googles and the Facebooks don't want. They're going to be acquiring those companies left and right, because as long as they can keep everything up you know and sort of in the haves and have-nots then they win and and the and the walled garden or the ecosystem or whatever your favorite metaphor is becomes sort of the the norm of the day so if you don't like the situation that Rand is talking about in this blog well start to build your own and that's it that's the only that's the only answer it's so it's so interesting what is happening like uh I
0: I'm a part of a community called Bankless. Bankless is a decentralized autonomous organization, a DAO. So basically it's a collective. It's not owned by anyone. People in the group are all compensated different ways. Some are compensated. Some have put in some equity. Other ones are putting in work and they're getting compensated. It's probably the best media channel for crypto that I've found. So it's How so interesting. interesting to, and I get it. It's an amazing newsletter that I get from these folks every day on what's going on in crypto, in DAOs, NFTs, everything that I want to learn in one place. And it's not owned by anybody. So this this is what's crazy. And you're right. This is the new trend that I honestly didn't see coming last year, where you're just seeing a collective, uh, you know, because they can all Uh, move together in the same direction. They set some forms of governance and now here's your new media company. And what you're seeing is I I talked to a couple people in our own Discord group about their strategies and their strategy is instead of building their own audience, what they are is they're becoming part of different collectives and they're diversifying themselves and they're building out revenue chains by being part of audience communities, which is Uh, fascinating. Yeah, Yeah. Is that right or wrong? I don't know. I don't have enough information yeah. yet. But these are the new business models happening. that make it so exciting <laughs> yeah. to move from this nostalgia right. that you were, you know, what we've all been, oh, well, I wish, you know, a member back in the day with Blogger. And now you've got what's going on today. I'd much rather take what's going on today. It's just different. It's just different. We'll be right back. Starting a business can be overwhelming. And a great way to make it simple is to go step by step. The Dot Online Business Academy offers simple, easy to follow, and completely free courses to help you find a business idea, create a business plan, build a website, and more. The short videos, bonus activities, and resources give you everything you need to take your business up and running. Hosted by industry experts such as Ryan Folan, Jason Falls, and Kim Garst, these courses also come with interesting activities and exciting prizes. For more information, visit academy.get Dot .online that's academy.get.online
1: And now back to the show. Yep. Just different. All right. Well, that's enough of that one <laughs> then, but here so here's 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 something that's interesting. We were going to pair this. Um actually no. Let's okay. move along. Um, to something different here because um, I think we have beat that have. into the ground, Maybe. and so uh, let's move on to a story that it is related um, in, in our sort of thematic um, uh, idea. Here comes to us courtesy of Ad Age. Um, and the, uh, the the headline here is Twitter, uh, if you haven't heard, has no, unveiled a new feature, Moderated Communities for Group Conversations. Um, the subheadline is under the program, users can now tweet directly to the group instead of to all of their followers. This is something that has long been desired by Twitter users, uh, and it, the article opens up by saying, Twitter is experimenting with creating private group conversations as part of the social network's effort to keep people engaged and encouraged Them to interact with other users. The San Francisco based company on Wednesday unveiled communities, groups of Twitter users who are interested in chatting about a particular topic dogs, weather, sneakers, or astrology. And I'm sure those are really the most popular. Why do they put that? (laughs) Uh, Why? Why those? Yeah, dogs, weather, sneakers, astrology. Or how about politics or sex? (laughs) Yeah, according to a blog post. Anyway, under the program, users can tweet directly to the group instead of to all of their followers. Only members will be able to reply and join the conversation, though anyone will be able to see what's being discussed in a community and can report possible rule violations to the company. That's fascinating to me. Um, moderators, which will initially be approved by Twitter, will be assigned to every community to keep things on track and focused. What could go- oh, possibly go wrong with that? Um, to join a community for now, Twitter's users will have to be invited by a member or a moderator. What what say you, Mr. Polizzi, uh, to this new it's, feature on uh, Twitter?
0: fascinating again the amount of new products that twitter they went from launching nothing for years to now that just every week yeah. they have a, some new feature benefit um i read this twice because i can't wrap my head around why they just don't go buy discord
1: right well they don't they have, do the, have money, the money i'm sure they I mean, absolutely do i don't yes, think hold so hold
0: on i don't think so i want to say hold on Twitter, cash on hand. See, this is what we can do with this program. We can do as
1: you can get. Live updates, yeah. live <laughs> data updates. <laughs> the, you know what we need? We need like, you know how Prof G has someone in the background literally sending him research that's as what we need. talks? Yes. We need, that, we need okay. that research live. So
0: acor- 2020, Yeah. Uh, Twitter, this is according to Wall Street Journal, has about $10 billion in cash, cash-only short-term investments. Uh, that has nothing to do with the stock that they could put for leverage against that. The last I saw, the valuation on Discord, they were going for 10 billion. They could absolutely put out a number, and they could take out. I mean, shoot, loans right now are cheap. They could go and, and they could go and do that too. They don't have to even spend any cash if yeah. they don't want to. The point is, is that why compete with the best? Why don't you just go out and get the best and build it? Instead of trying to integrate it into what might get a little bit fuzzy and complicated. Okay, now that said, uh, this is going—you're going to have people run to this. It's going to be a clubhouse type thing that we saw last year. Sure. Where people are going to say, "Oh, I got to get in this. I want to be uh, one of the leaders of these groups. I want to get in there." And it, the first first mover advantage here is absolutely going to be a thing, in my opinion. What do you think?
1: Well, you're gonna have yeah, you're gonna have people. Rushing to be moderators of dogs and astrology. astrology. (laughs) It's sneakers. Right. Exactly. I mean, it reminds me very much of the old, I mean, speaking of old and nostalgic and going back, it reminds me very much of the old AOL and CompuServe communities where they would choose the moderators of those communities and they would be paid, by the way. Those moderators would be paid. And you would basically then invite people and you got you got got money money. as a as a moderator for bringing in page views and you got uh, or you know members to your community one of my good friends was the head of sailing right you know he was the sailing moderator on CompuServe and he had you know I don't know 20,000 people on the sailing community and he made a good amount of money right he made like a living right he was a it was his job basically and um and as such got invited to all the sailing events and you know world cup and all that all that stuff so um i think this is that part of it i think is i I gotta be honest kind of stupid um you know i just don't think people go to twitter like that i if it were more like private facebook groups i totally get it right i you know that, to me, makes sense. This makes much less sense to me.
0: Uh, I used to be the uh, the lead at the About.com investment club group. Yeah. Did you I, really? So I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. Made a little yeah. bit of cash, wrote yeah. some articles, answered some questions. Yeah. Yeah, so you're going back to the, the 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 issue that, in my opinion, with these platforms and how they're spreading out all these features and benefits, I don't think they're wrong in doing it, but it does get cluttered. Like, for, it does get, uh, it, it like, is Twitter Twitter, or you got Twitter Spaces, and then, you know, you did the Fleets thing. That didn't work. I mean, you've got a lot of moving parts and things and benefits, and that's why you've got to be careful. Like, Instagram made it work with Instagram Stories. But if you added another thing on Instagram, it would be very tough, you know? And Facebook's had that struggle, right? Facebook has, has launched all sorts of things. Some things work. Some things haven't. So, I, I just... I almost, it seems like since there already are some things that that are available, Twitter might just want to purchase that instead of trying to create it. But also, what do I know? It could be a huge success, and it could be the it could be the new Twitter. Well, just seems, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just seems odd to me to say. I mean, it's basically hash. It's exclusive hashtags is really what it is. I mean, is you know, so you can't reply to a community post but you can see the yeah. community post unless you're a member which kind of defeats the whole purpose of having it be a community which is you can open up and you can say things that you might not otherwise say or that you can be a little more vulnerable or you know those kinds of things in a community which is what you know look Facebook groups right now are kind of the only reason to be on Facebook it, it's you know basically I I interact nine at nine to 10 times more uh, with Facebook groups than I do with public Facebook. You know, I post on Facebook maybe once a week or, you know, once every couple of weeks. And, but I'm on a lot of groups and I, and I, you know, I, I post back and forth and, and, and find it very engaging. It's one of the main reasons I stay on Facebook. This is not that. This is, this is basically saying, hey, listen, there's going to be an exclusive hashtag called dogs. Where you can, you know, if you're a member of the dogs community, you can tweet and reply to tweets, but everybody else can see them. Everybody else can go to the dogs community and see what everybody else has said kind of defeats the whole purpose. Um, And it's going to get very Lord of the Flies in there around who's, you know, who's who's the leader? Who's the moderator? Why are they stifling me? You know, uh, it's just, you know, I I, I see this not ending well without some major modifications.
0: You're probably right. And. Uh, speaking of Facebook, I just – I feel icky after going on Facebook. I literally was – really, I got on it this morning. I usually get on it one, every other day, and I'll just get on it to see what's going on. But the more and more they're trying to fi- figure out the algo, and I get the – Did you just call algo? it the algo? I know. I know, oh isn't it crazy? God. But they're they're really You've they're really I mean, I don't know if you're seeing what, you know anything different, but it's crazy the different stuff that I'm seeing that they're they're trying to get me to comment on things like uh if you you know your favorite your favorite band that's four words long, go. Or you know, whatever it is.
1: Right. Of course, um, right. I,
0: all I want to see is what my friends are doing. That's all I want to see. Right. And I'm not yep. and I can't I can't get what I want from that platform. So I I don't know what to do gotta go somewhere else yeah so yeah not that this was about all right but i made it about facebook
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's always about facebook all right ladies and gentlemen it is now time for your favorite part of the show which of course is our rants and rave section when joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we just watched steve from blues clues come back or makes us feel like uh oh maybe it makes us feel like we're the father of the britney con- <laughs> conservative <laughs> i knew you were
0: it's gonna it's get that in there not yeah it, had i would have to had get it in, in somehow right big yeah. News. Yeah.
1: yeah that was big news it was big news it was uh for for those who are inside baseball that was almost my joke for the for the opening of the show and then i replaced it with the blues clues thing um yeah so yeah britney's dad has said basically i you know rolled over on his back and said i give up go and and, be and is, free. is that the case and is said, she free now no, 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 no. Judge has God. to still rule on it. And blah blah blah. Basically, the dad said, "I'm not putting up a fight anymore. Just you know, we're giving. I'll, I'm filed a petition to give it up and let somebody else deal with this." Is basically, what he's saying, you know, which is good news for Brittany. Good news for Brittany. Um, all right. So, do you want to? You you, I'll go first because go I got a ran at the. You end have because mine's, yeah, mine's, mine's very quick. Yeah, mine's very, mine's very quick. Basically, this is a, a, a tweet. Um, that uh, that we'll link to in the show notes, but it's from Matthew Sweezy. Hi, Matthew, if you listen. I don't think he does. Um, He's one of the evangelists over at Salesforce. Um, They've got a bunch of them over there, and um, he's one of the particularly smart ones. Um, And um, uh, so he talks in this – by he basically is posting a slide, I think, from one of his uh, uh, presentations that says the eight pillars of first-party data – um, and his tweet says, the death of the cookie has us racing towards first-party data. But what is your strategy? I'd suggest flywheels. Use the eight pillars to count how many first-party data collection methods you have. Then ask how many of them are connected. Advanced brands have more than 25. I think this is fascinating. I, I don't agree with his categories as he has them here on this slide, which are basically loyalty, uh, tools, community, entertainment, e-commerce, content, touch points, and purpose. I, I think, to me, all of those are just one pillar called content um, and, and and good content, and those are more channels than pillars, but we're getting yeah. into semantics because I think it's a really good, it's a good exercise, and I think the key is what he's talking about here and then I really like is he's, he, he says how many of them are connected to each other, that's the best part of this is looking at, no matter how you organize or categorize them, um, looking at all of the elements that you have for capturing first party data these days and asking yourself if they're connected to each other. And the the classic one, and I talk about this all the time with clients, is you go to a blog right now on your corporate website and you sign up and you go, yes, I want more of this, I wanna subscribe, so I give you my email address and I do that and I subscribe and I start getting your blog subscription and then I go to your resource center and I want to sign up for your thought leadership because you know you've got it gated for some reason and I have to enter my email again and instead of becoming your audience member that has different attributes called subscriber to blog, subscriber to resource center, subscriber to product. I basically have to sign up four or five times, and that's not the right way to look at first-party data and aggregation of it. So connect those things, and I just think it's a great way to start that conversation. So uh, hats off to Matthew for for uh, for bringing that up, and uh, really liked it. So just wanted to a very quick little. No, rave, no, it is, it is it is fascinating,
0: and I think you're gonna. I mean, you yeah. you started talking about. I mean you've been talking about first party data in your presentation since forever and the importance yeah. of this and that's why and in a lot of cases that's what what your whole presentation would be about it's like we need you can't just yeah. focus on third party data people so what are you going to do how do you get so you build trust and loyalty through this content thing yeah. and you can get this data yeah. and then you can understand your customers better than anyone else and then you can offer them the right products and services so very Absolutely. very nice all right um I'd love to get your take on this. I'm struggling with it. I've always been a fan of Seth Godin. Uh, I love Purple Cow. I love some of his small books. I love the Bootstrap Bible. I, I, I mean yeah, That's a book he gave away for free when I started my business. I printed it out, and I read it, and I still have it. Um, so, so Seth has done some amazing things. He came out with a blog post actually today. This is today's blog post. I'm going to read it. It's really short, and then I'm going to comment on it. I'd love to get your take as well because I want to see if I'm missing something. But this is on sort of the NFT craze that's going on. So he he says, speculation is the new luxury good. A luxury good is one where the price paid is much higher than the apparent utility it offers. We pay extra precisely because it's not a good value. The utility lies in how we and our peers think about it. The scarcity and bling of a luxury good are used to create our status Parentheses, in our own eyes and those in our cohort in parentheses. And so a top end Mercedes isn't much better at being a car than a Hyundai is or Hyundai is. It simply costs more. As engineering has improved and knockoffs have, has increased though, the 200 year tradition of physical luxury goods is fading away. One thing that's taking its place is speculation. An NFT has zero utility. It's simply an entry in the blockchain that shows ownership of something that anyone could see for free. But that in itself is sort of a luxury. There are now hundreds of digital NFTs, each worth more than a million dollars each. Just like Reddit stocks, they change in value dramatically. They come with a story, and they're fun to talk about with your friends and peers. And one day, every one of them will be owned by someone who is unable to sell it at a profit. I'll come back to this one. And then he ends with, speculation is a great hobby if you can afford it, but it shouldn't be confused with investment. So, the end end of that whole thing. I wanted to just talk about a few things. His th- he's not wrong about the whole speculation thing in NFTs. There's absolutely speculation. But when I read this Robert what I thought of were the late 90s when we saw the explosion in internet stocks, remember? And people were piling into them and there was oh, yeah. a lot of speculation and excited home and GeoCities and all that stuff went crazy. And then it Totally bottomed out and said, "Oh, that was it. That was all speculation or whatever." But you know what we had from that? We had Amazon, we had eBay, we had uh, a lot of other amazing companies that came out of that uh, speculate, you know, "quote unquote" speculation. And a lot of people made a lot of money both ways. When he says, "And one day, every one of them will be owned by someone who is unable to sell it at a profit," it, it seems to me that. Seth has not been involved in anything NFT related. Doesn't necessarily understand that a lot of these things actually have utility. If you look at some of the uh, NFTs that are going on, if you look at you know Gary Vaynerchuk's V Friends, if you look at the the board was the board Ape Yacht Clubs, they all have utility to them. There are clubs. You get ongoing content. You get club membership. You get to go to events. They're, they're very much utility. And in itself, of itself, then you have the other whole aspect of um, the collection. This is art, you know, that you're buying art and whatever. And I don't see much difference with this than when I used to collect, you know, trading cards, except this is a thousand times better because I can actually show that I own something buy the nft that's why i love the whole idea of a smart contract because you can show it visible to everyone else that you actually own it and i don't just have the audience of going to the baseball trading card show which is very limited i have the world and everyone can get involved in this why that's why you're seeing so many people get involved in the art industry that never had a chance to get in before because it's available to everyone today through these things. So I just, I wanted, I don't know if I'm off on this, Robert, but that one line where he said, every one of them will be owned by someone who is unable to sell it at a profit. I totally disagree with that. I absolutely disagree. There are some of these things that will be worthless. And there are some of these things that are going to be worth millions and millions and millions of dollars and people are going to want to collect them and be part of them and be part of the utility of them ongoing so i think he missed the boat on this one in my opinion
1: there you go well i'll say this um you know <laughs> my feelings on speculation of nft art uh are, are pretty well known at this point but i will say this i agree with you 100 percent that the statement that everybody who owns one will not be able to sell it for a profit is i mean it's already happening right i mean it's you know there are plenty of people who are making tons of profit on Paying this. off student loans, and that is a curve. becoming multimillionaires over, okay, exactly. I mean, the loot. Have you seen the
0: loot NFT thing? Did you see this one? Right. Yeah.
1: And, yeah. and, and so, it, you know, it, it it's a curve like anything else, you know, just like the dot-com thing was, there were plenty of people who made a lot of money out of dot-com as well. Um, and and there were a lot of people who lost their shirt on shorts, um, at, at, you know, in the stock market as well as private investing. And this is no different. This is a this is a speculative time for this market. and it is, you know people will make a lot of money on this. and a few, I think there will be a few uh, that will that will hold value over the long term. I think they'll mostly be in the like you say the nostalgia piece. I don't have a lot of faith in sort of the, you know, I can, you know, I can use AI to create, you know, 5,000 limited pieces and there you go and go sell it. I I don't, I don't hold a lot of, I I don't, I don't think, I think that's just going to become too democratized to have any sort of lasting differential value. But things like NFTing the source code of, you know, Netscape browser, that, that I could see, right? You know, that is something I can see having lasting value where you have the certificate of authenticity of the original source code for Netscape browser, that's something that I could see lasting uh, value in um, as a, you know, as a relic, as it were, or an artifact of the internet. Um, And that certificate of authenticity by the owner or the creator of such, certainly, you know, certainly um, would, uh, I think have some have some value there. Um, I think the, you know, as we've talked about a million times on the show, I think there are two branches here, right? There is the technology that we're talking about of smart contracts and how NFTs work on the Ethereum blockchain, which absolutely has value, um, and absolutely the smart contract idea already starting to have practical usage, um, and that will only get more and more and more and more valuable as we go. And then there's sort of this tulip market that we're in right now, which is you know looking at speculative art, you know some of which, quite frankly, is suspect at best um, in terms of its artistic quality as a as a means of sort of looking at things in the meme like work you know that we that we do now. Yeah, I
0: I would agree with that. I think there's a
1: couple, you know, memes are you know memes have become a popular way of, com- it's a communication channel, right? Memes are a language these days and one of the things that memes have become is a financial language and you know so our our ability to create the meme-like economy um i think is in for uh an interesting an interesting bell curve
0: yeah i don't i don't know i mean i guess we'll see i think that from an NFT, like you're seeing all these nft investment funds happen right now they're actually a thing yeah yeah. Like if you're if you are an NFT investment fund and you wanted to say, look, I want to be part of CryptoPunks, the you know the the OGs of of NFTs and or Mebits or VFriends or Chromie Squiggles uh, from or whatever, right? There's there's a whole bunch of groups that you say these are some of the uh, masterpieces of early NFT days. Uh, if you're looking at generative art or whatever, I think that there that is a long lasting industry. I would look at that right now if you're investing and you're saying I'm going to take a small percentage of my holdings and put it in NFTs. I think that's just smart. That's just basic diversification. This is a new category that I think that if you want to, you need to have exposure to. That's all one thing. The whole other thing is you've got NFTs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I get that. I, that's putting that's putting a you know that's putting a bet on zero or double zero, right, on the roulette wheel. Well, I, mean, I, I get I, it. You know, so you put a little you put a little bit of money on well, zero. I, I, look or zero, it zero your, your, I look at it as more than that. I look at it as um, if you are into
0: stocks and bonds, and that's how you're di- you're not very well diversified, you should be in stocks and bonds and multiple types of crypto and NFTs on the low, you know, small
1: percentage. But I think you need there to you do go. those things. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. Yeah, okay. yeah, the same thing.
0: But the other it, thing that I don't yeah. think that Seth is considering is the fact that there's, there's, there's this whole group of smart contracts as NFTs that are going to be all new business models that we can't even comprehend at this point.
1: That's where I'm... Well, that's the... That the technology and the, and the startups that are going to come.
0: That's out, where, yeah. Be and I don't think things. that we're, yeah. I think most people look at NFTs as a JPEG. And that's such a small way to look at NFTs right now. That that's my issue. So there, yeah, yeah. Hi, Seth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's a listener. I'm absolutely positive. He's yeah, a listener. Exactly. Of I'm the sure show. He is. All right. So what do you got going this uh, week?
0: What am I doing this week? Oh, Hey, I am running my first half marathon in over two years. Yeah. Ah. So we're back. Good for you.
1: I'll I'll be I'll be yeah. not doing back that. Back to yeah. back
0: to running races. So I ran eight and a half miles yesterday, and my legs are so sore. But I've got to get back and, and make this thing go. And I don't. I'm not looking to set any records. I'm just looking to finish. So what What about nice. you? Nice. Besides watching football.
1: Uh oh football yeah. football football football. That's that's tonight. That's uh, this weekend. It's it's it's. I'm I'm super excited. I may I might even like cook and make a thing of it so yeah it's that's what there it's all about this weekend
0: not, not a bad way to not a bad way to spend a Sunday not right? a bad way to yeah. spend
1: the weekend yeah. is exactly right alright folks that's it we're signing off if you want to get all the goodness of this podcast show notes and why wouldn't you really um, or dive into any of the other 287 episodes why don't you get on over to our website thisoldmarketing.site we definitely want to thank the good folks at Radix for helping power our thisoldmarketing.site and if you don't have your own .site domain get your own .site domain won't you Uh, and basically just remember folks it's your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week on this old market